Hello there, everyone. I'm your host for today, Holly Pennebaker, and we appreciate you joining us for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR. This podcast is sponsored by Clear Company. Clear Company is a full suite talent management solution that unifies recruiting, onboarding, performance management, and goal tracking all into one easy-to-use solution. Contact Clear Company today to see how you can create talent success, and you can also visit clearcompany.com to learn more. In this podcast, we team up with experts in the field of HR and unlock their knowledge of the most pressing issues facing talent management today. This podcast is your outlet for learning the latest and greatest ways to solve challenges in your organization. Think about performance management and what it means for your overall talent strategy. It's important for organizations to stay on the leading edge of performance management by integrating ongoing feedback, goal setting and coaching, and recognition and rewards with company goals. To talk more about performance management, we've invited Ben Eubanks, Principal Analyst in Lighthouse Research and Advisory to join us. His research focuses on cutting edge practices in talent and learning technology, strategy, and innovation. So welcome, Ben. Thanks for being here today. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you're up to? What I'm up to? Goodness. Uh, actually, Holly, it's been a while since we had a conversation last, it seems like. Um, and one of the things I've been really focused on is um, finishing up the book I've been writing about the impact of artificial intelligence on HR. That's been a ton of fun, um, and which weaves into the conversation a little bit today because one of the topics I write about in the book is around talent management, um, talent mobility, performance management, how those things connect together, and some of the new technologies and things are supporting that. But it's fun because I've been writing a lot about the technology. I've been researching that piece. There's so much about the, the process that's really human-driven. And so when, I, when we get to the research part today, talk about that piece of it, that's what we really dug into last year was the, the actual processes companies use because you know, there's lots of cool technologies out there to support these things. But at the end of the day, when it gets down to it, performance management is a very fundamental human process, and there's a lot of change management pieces to it, communication, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a had a really great year so far, and looking forward to a good uh, second half of the year. Awesome. You're always up to something when it comes to research and good work in this area. And you're right, you know, performance management never stays the same. And in fact, just within the last year and a half, we've gone from the fact that it needs to be a continuous approach to incorporating things like um, coaching, um, mentoring more so than that management skill that traditionally people have had. And, you know, of course, the talent mobility aspect as well, as you mentioned. So when we talk about how people are standing out these days. What are the most high-performing companies doing differently? So it's really interesting. One of the things that, that we looked at, again, we, we did this research study, looked at 250 different employers, did 25 executive interviews to really dig into the nuts and bolts of how these companies are, are changing their approach. And what we found is there are five key things that high-performing companies do that low-performing companies do not. They do it much more often. The first is recognition. They wrap in this element of it's not just about giving you the pat on the back and getting you back out there, but also making sure that you get recognized for that good work, for that performance. Holly, you're doing a really great job moderating and give you a pat on the back and make sure that you know and you feel like your work is validated and someone appreciates and cares about that. The second one is in-the-moment manager feedback. 
Managers aren't waiting till the very end of the year to say, okay, you know, six months ago you did this really well, good job, because by then you've already forgotten you did that. You miss out on that chance to really appreciate it. Actually, there's a company we talked to in our research that called that stale feedback, and they said, we stopped doing stale feedback because it doesn't help anybody to the positive or the negative. If I tell you you did something wrong you know, nine months ago, you can't go back and change that. If I had given you that feedback in the moment, you could have fixed it right away. The third one is peer feedback, really weaving in the viewpoints of people besides just your manager. Um, a study a couple years ago saw that about 60 to 70% of the employees' engagement or their satisfaction depends directly on their manager. But when it comes to actually rating their performance, that manager holds all the power. Even though they're collaborating, they're interacting with people around them, and we're in much more of a collaborative environment than we've ever been before, managers still hold a lot of power. So high performers actually weave in your peers your, maybe your subordinates that weave in other leaders' viewpoints of how you're performing so they get a better picture of what you're doing in the organization. Number four, development coaching. Companies are looking at performance not just as a, hey, let's check the box and move on, but it's about how can we help you to be better tomorrow than you are today. And they're really guiding people towards that path. And I've, in some conversations, they've been changing the, the term you mentioned a minute ago. It's not just about management skills. It's about performance development almost. How can we help you develop performance at a level you don't have today? And looking at it through that lens versus just saying, did you do this or did you not do that? And do I punish you or do I not punish you? That's a, kind of a, a weird binary kind of focus. And the last one is managing to the strengths. Companies that are high-performing are much more likely to say that, Holly, you're good at X, Y, and Z, and so we're going to try to find more ways to give you those kinds of tasks, those kinds of um, opportunities to develop and perform at those levels instead of saying, you know what, you're really not great at writing, so we're going to make you write a whole lot more and try to get great at that when it's not a core part of your job. Instead, we'll find you know, someone else that is a great writer, and we'll let you focus on customer relations or whatever else is your, your specific skill set. So those companies are much more likely. Out of those five things, that was the last one is to focus on managing those strengths. Yeah, thanks for sharing those four areas with us. And so I think one thing that resonated with me that you mentioned specifically is going beyond a pat on the back for recognition. You know, be authentic in the recognition that you're giving. Don't just say, Ben, that was a great job. Say, Ben, we really liked the way you did a, B, or C, you know, make it specific though, so that employees really know where that value comes from. And so, Ben, I think that another area that we can talk about is how often um, performance conversations should take place. You know, when you are recognizing employees or coaching them or, um, as you mentioned, helping out with their development, you know, how often should you talk about this? As often as it needs to be and no more often than that. How's that for like a lawyerly answer? Really, it's, it's very individualized to the company, to the culture, to the industry, like the pace of business. All those things kind of factor into what fits for your specific company. One of the general guidelines I give is at least more than twice a year, but not quite as often as weekly because that gets kind of out of hand and crazy. So a lot of companies look at either quarterly or monthly cadence just to make sure that they get this regular pace of it up. But that's the thing is set some expectations that, hey, we're going to have a conversation if it's quarterly, if it's monthly, if it's every other month, whatever it is. But we're going to have these conversations, and it's not going to be a we'll do it twice and start forgetting or start moving that on the calendar or skipping it. But this is going to be a regular thing. One of the, one of the books I read recently there, I love the term, is it, everybody hates micromanagement. But if you micromanage an employee's career, they'll love you for it. 
instead of micromanaging their tasks and ch- checking in on them and trying to look over their shoulder on the work they're doing, instead employers and managers should look at how can I help this person get to whatever their next level is, whatever, whatever they aspire to be in terms of the next step in their career, how can I help guide them to that and really micromanage their career? And so when you ask that question, it's going to tell you that I can't do that with two conversations a year. I need to have more conversations than that. But again, it might not need to be every single week you're checking in and you're, and you're working with them on that stuff. It might not need to be that often. So it's kind of a spectrum there. Everybody's going to find that routine that feels good for them. And it's funny because there are companies that there's actually – I heard the one of the THR leaders at NBC Universal talk about this a year or two ago, and she said, you know what, we actually did away with all performance reviews. We just dumped them. We went to this informal conversations thing. We actually had employees demand that we bring it back because they needed to feel like they were – they needed that structure. They needed that that you know program around it to make sure they were having those conversations with their boss. So every company is a little different, and that's why I don't – I'm not really prescriptive with that. I just know that in the research we saw that high-performing companies were about 50% more likely to do these conversations more than twice a year. And so that's a good indicator. We need to be doing that pretty frequently, but there you go. A really good couple of points you covered there, and I think that it's really important to remember that instead of saying, yes, we are going to do this review twice a year, once a year, it sounds like if it's happening the way that you believe it should, that it's more of an organic thing. You know, you just know when you need to have those conversations. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And again, it doesn't even have to be that okay, Holly, in eight weeks, we're going to have another, we're going to have another conversation about your performance. You know, we don't have to spell it out that formally. There, there are times when I'm like, hey, you know what? You mentioned the recognition piece a minute ago. Hey, Holly, you did a really great interview with, uh, I heard you interview Madeline Lorano recently. You did a really great interview with her. Great job on that. I think that you asked some really pertinent questions. I think that the way that you responded to her comments were great. That's a performance conversation between you and I, even though it's not a formally scheduled thing. And so later in the year, when we're getting, getting together to that you know, formal review and we're looking at, okay, how'd you do this year? What do you want to do next year? We'll, that, that will stick out in our mind more because we had that conversation instead of me saying, okay, make a note in her file to follow up about that interview she did because that doesn't do you any good. You don't know if you were on point or not. And I'm not doing justice for your efforts and your work by acknowledging that. So that's an example of how it's one of those just frequent kind of drive-by conversations where I just take a moment and pour into you a little bit as a leader and say, hey, I think that you did good on this thing. Well done. Here's what I liked about it. Do that again. Next time you have a chance, do that again because that's a really great practice, and I think it helps you stand out as a, as a star performer. So, um, again, it, it doesn't have to feel super structured like we're going to sit down, we have our eight points on the agenda, and we're going to walk through this, and it's going to take 20.5 minutes. It doesn't have to feel that structured, and it can still be effective. Now, always better to do those kinds of things in the moment. And so, Ben, you mentioned NBC Universal, and they're doing away with the formal structured review and that employees actually wanted them back. Do you know of any other companies that you would say are doing a really good job of managing their employees' performance? Sure, absolutely. So it's funny because I was actually – I spoke at a conference recently about this topic, 
And I was wondering, because you're, you're up against you know, six or eight other concurrent sessions, like, are people going to show up for this? And do they want to hear this stuff? And we ended up having standing room only in the room. It was, everybody was crowded and trying to hear these stories and examples because everyone wants to feel like not just the, the research is good and getting those insights is good, but people want to hear a story of someone else that's done this so that they can either follow their path or know that, hey, it's possible to do this. It's possible to achieve at that level. So I'm going to give you a handful of quick stories that touch on a couple of those different points in the research. All right. So the first one up is around the recognition piece. Okay. Because I know that's one you've already mentioned you're excited about. So I'll, I'll bring that one first. There's a company called Ohio Living, and they do direct care for the elderly, um, kind of the, those that are you know, advanced in their years or need a little more care, a little more you know, nursing support, healthcare, things like that. And they said, you know what, we, we need to put this recognition program in place just so people can kind of get, get a pat on the back for their work. That's all they wanted to do, just to get some recognition going. And what they found was actually interesting. Once they had some recognition flowing among the people, they actually did a little bit of analysis, and they found that those work groups, the different areas in the business that had more recognition going on, were less likely to have some of the healthcare-related problems that they normally were seeing, like fall risks and infections and patient readmissions because they weren't taken care of the first time. So they found that their recognition stuff wasn't just about that pat on the back, which is nice, but it was also about those people were actually paying more attention at work, were doing higher quality work, and they attributed it back to getting recognized, getting that validation. The second one is around development coaching. We mentioned that connection in there. Chipotle, uh, mass casual, Mexican restaurant, everybody loves some good food. Um, One of the things they did, they had awful store turnover for their managers, and again, if anyone that works in kind of retail, food service, those kind of high turnover industries, that's not a surprise. But they said, you know what, it's costing us way too much for our manager to turn over. It's one thing if our person that's a cashier turns over, we, we'll train someone else in a few hours. But the manager is in charge of scheduling shifts and managing inventory and all these other things, and it was costing them a lot of money to turn these over. There was over 50% turnover per year for their store managers. And they made one change that changed all of that. It dropped their turnover by half virtually overnight. And that change was this. They said, no longer will we hire someone for a store manager position from outside the company. They have to be someone inside the company. We're going to find someone who's a really great performer, a really great leader at their level, and we'll develop and grow them up through their performance into a store manager. And their turnover for store managers dropped by about half overnight. So they really did a great job of making sure that it wasn't about just coaching you to scoop the guacamole faster or whatever else those people get coached on, but coaching you on what it takes to be a leader for the organization, what it takes to step up to that next level. And they're always looking for who would be a good leader in the next level up. So they're always managing performance through that lens. So a couple of great stories there, a couple of great examples of companies that have done done a good job of weaving performance back into either development or into recognition and trying to connect those dots because performance isn't this thing that happens in a vacuum. I can't manage your performance and just assume that everything else stays constant because that's not a real-world scenario. That, that works in a lab, but not for the real world. I have to remember that if I'm helping you grow in your performance, you are thinking at the same time, what's next for me? What sort of capabilities do I have? What sort of options do I have in terms of career path and things like that, whether it's inside or outside? And one of the things I've always careful to tell companies is if you don't help that person envision a career path, an opportunity at your company, 
they'll envision it somewhere else. And when that recruiter from your competitor calls them and, and starts talking about that job, they'll be able to envision that job somewhere else. And they'll be able to envision that career path for themselves. So you've got to help beat that to the punch. You've got to have an opportunity for them laid out, even if it's just a stretch assignment, even if it's just how you're coaching them and developing them around their performance. You need to help them see what that next step looks like or you're going to potentially lose them. All right. Great points there, Ben. Thank you so much. And so that's about all we've got time for today. So thanks for speaking with our audiences, Ben. Absolutely, Holly. It's always fun to chat about this stuff. I'm a little bit of an HR nerd, as you can tell, but it's, it's so much fun to help companies do this stuff a little better. Well, we always enjoy having you. And so once again, today's podcast support has been provided by Clear Company, a complete talent management platform that has everything you need to hire, retain, and engage more A players. Clear Company utilizes your company's mission and vision to find, hire, and engage more top talent while also taking care of your administrative needs. Visit clearcompany.com and sign up for a free customized demo. And also be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed your time with us. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. If you're listening on iTunes, we'd love to get your rating and review. It helps other professionals and like-minded people discover the program. We'd like to close by saying thank you to our listeners for spending some time with us and for all of HCI. Thanks for listening.